Welcome back to another episode of Underrated. You know, it's been a couple of weeks. How you doing, Bo? Lefty, welcome back to us, my friend. It has been an eventful few weeks, has it? It has, you know, a couple of things yeah. in our uh, our personal lives going on, but we are <laughs> we are we are back. Yeah, man, it's good to be back at it again. I feel like there's uh, so much ground to cover here. I don't even know where to begin, but uh, that's why I'm looking forward to today's show for sure. Abs- absolutely. You know, last time we got together, it was it was summer. Now it's college yeah. football season. <laughs> that's right. Wow, it's uh, it's uh, the the end of uh, the end of a season. They're they're serving pumpkin everything at Starbucks. That's how I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Although I feel like that's a little, a little earlier every year somehow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, let's uh, let's let's jump into some headlines, man. We got some exciting stuff going on. Uh, one of the all-time greatest athletes of uh, my generation, Serena Williams, played in the last match of her legendary career. She lost in the third round of the U.S. Open the other day, in uh, in front of a crowd that read like in a, an award show guest list. You know, lots of athletes, stars, including uh, Tiger Woods, Russell Wilson, Spike Lee, Mike Tyson. Uh, all of those folks were in attendance to watch the 23-time Grand Slam winner play for what ended up being the last time. That's uh, seven Australian Open victories, seven Wimbledon titles, six U.S. Open tourneys, and three French Open wins, you know, in addition to so many other awards congratulations to one of the goats right serena yeah, williams a- absolutely what a phenomenal career um and while um i think a lot of people hoped for some some swan song magic um unfortunately we didn't get that but at the same time uh quite a venerable career absolutely still thrilling to watch uh you know a few clips from the crowd showed uh, some famous athletes like uh, new york giants running backs saquon barkley just completely enthralled with you know serena and uh you know excited and um you know it was a it, it, it's been a great career and uh many decades of uh, outstanding play just uh you know a uh, hugely influential you know iconic athlete absolutely again what a phenomenal career and uh, congrats to her um and you know kind of tangentially related um you know, one of the the players that kind of cites her as a uh, one of the tennis players that kind of cites her as a huge influence, Coco Goff. Uh, you know, moved on to the quarterfinals today. So Absolutely. we kind of see you know the next generation of stars that uh, were born of her legacy. Um, so definitely uh, pass you know, the torch. Absolutely, good way. Uh, huge news in the NBA: another massive trade, another player from the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers on Thursday. So if you recall, they just traded Rudy Gobert not too long ago. Uh, we covered that in one of our earlier episodes, Lefty. Uh, Mitchell has been the face of the franchise the last few years and is one of the game's most electric young stars. Uh, the Jazz are getting three players, and they're getting three first-round picks in return. They got the rights to swap two other future picks. Um, you know, for our Fairweather NBA fans, just a reminder that the Cavs finished six games above 500 last season. That was good for ninth in the Eastern Conference. And prior to this trade, they already have two all-stars in their lineup in uh, guard Darius Garland, center Jared Allen. They also have rookie of the year runner-up Evan Mobley, who looks like he's going to absolutely be a future all-star. So, you know, this without a doubt on paper turns them into a real contender and with staying power. Um, a flip side of that for the Jazz, uh, between the Go Bear trade and this one, 
they now have 13 unprotected or lightly protected first round picks through 2029. They, they, they got two 2022 first round picks from the draft earlier this year, uh, to plug right in and, and Akbaji and, and Walker Kessler. So, you know, talk about wins all around here. Finally, something to look forward to in Cleveland. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not a lot to look forward to in no, Cleveland, but no. at, least, at least they have, uh, you know, uh, some semi-bright basketball future. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, seeing the growth in both these franchises. Uh, you know, I think Utah is making the right moves, knowing that they have to rebuild. Uh, Cleveland is adding the right pieces, and you know, it's exciting to see life after LeBron. Right. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Well, and you know, after after uh, you know, it's it's not just the the draft picks coming back to Utah. They also got Colin Sexton, who oh, yeah. know, looked looked poised to be a real star after twenty twenty. Um, only played in eleven games last season, but uh, if he can return to full strength uh, and you know mature the way that he was expected to in Cleveland, uh, he could uh, he could be a real star there. I absolutely think he can. And I think um, he's going to be a key piece in, you know, kind of uh, the glue that's going to, you know, uh, hold this young team together as they continue to evolve. It, it's it's going to be great for both franchises, I think. You know, that might be a long shot, but uh, I really do uh, have high hopes for both of them. Um, you know, Lefty, I didn't think it was going to happen, but Manchester United handed the Arsenal their first loss of the season with that 3-1 win at Old Trafford. Yeah, they uh, they've come out of nowhere in the last few weeks. After after that Man. thrashing by Brentford, they've uh, yeah, that's they've right. Stepped you know, it up. You uh, really. Yeah, absolutely. Anthony made his debut appearance. You know, obviously after his Ajax yeah. transfer just a few days back, and scored a huge goal for the Red Devils. Uh, that's but that's four in a row. And uh, I mean, like you said, after uh, uh, the Brighton and Brentford losses, um, you know, uh, Man U. Uh, has ended Arsenal's win streak and extended their own. So yeah, yeah, they're, they're playing only, well right now. Yeah, they're only three points out of you know top of the top of the table. Yeah, you know, they're yeah. just behind Arsenal now, and they're they're in a you know top five uh, position. So they're they're ready to play another another year of you know European football. But uh, you know, I was really surprised to see Marcus Rashford get a couple of goals. There was a lot of talk yeah. last year about how he was kind of washed. Um, I right. think a lot of that stemmed from. The, the scheme he was in last season um, and just the hatred of any player that uh, does anything that's uh, morally good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Obviously uh, we saw a lot of Rashford uh, Saka obviously uh, made impacts, but you know, if you watch the highlights closely, I'd say uh, Christian Erickson was the secret weapon there, you know, two quick passes forward that set up their first two goals. Uh, he got an assist himself by laying on the third for Rashford. Um, you know, interesting, Cristiano Ronaldo also still looking for his first goal of the season. Uh, one of the longest scoreless droughts to start a season ever in his career. Um, yeah, what uh, what are your thoughts on Ronaldo and his future with the Red Devils? Well, I mean, you know that he's there now, at least until January. He wanted out. Right. He couldn't find a partner uh, for, for any kind of swap there. Um, but, uh, you know, with, with Anthony from coming over from Ajax, uh, there's there's nothing there's no real space for him he's not as good as as you know his replacement now um right you know he's a he's a late time sub now he might get a lot a bit of play because you know they're still competing um you know in foreign tournament play you know 
they've got a game in a couple of days in the Europa League. But sure. uh, his his time in the in the Premier League as a starter is over, and it's not coming back. Uh, he'll probably look Definitely. for a move to <laughs> to the Middle East or China or something now. <laughs> Somewhere, uh, right? The the only places that are going to play him just for his name recognition. Right. Absolutely. I, you know, I. I I agree. He he is still a big name. Um, he still uh, does compete at a, a fairly decent level when he is he is on. But uh, it'll be it, 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 it'll be interesting <laughs> to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we're we're back at it. Let's get into the good stuff, Lefty. I'm gonna start with you. you who do you absolutely. want to discuss today? Well, you know, um, I don't know how much you followed it, Bo, but uh, last week, Major League the, the Major League Baseball Players Association took a massive step towards fixing one of the biggest problems in all of American sports. The association sent out union authorization cards to minor league players in an unprecedented move that will allow those players to vote for an election that could make them full members of the Players Association. Wow. Wow. That is, that's, I mean, that's, that's historic. Yeah, it's a, it's a massive step towards uh, correcting one of the most egregious pay problems uh, that plagued the minor leagues. Uh, yeah, you know, there are leagues in which the average salary for the vast majority of players is between five thousand and fourteen thousand dollars a year. Jeez, oh, that's that's. I, I mean, how do you even? You know, I mean, most of these guys have to work. You know, two jobs, obviously, but uh, uh, it's so difficult the wear and tear as a as a minor league baseball player. Absolutely, and many of them are not American and struggle right. to, to find alternative work in the off season, um, and are kind of trying to live off of pretty low bonuses that they signed maybe seven, eight years ago. Yeah, um, it's very but, difficult. Yeah, but as I said, this is a huge step in terms of labor negotiations in American sports, and one that to me harkens back to a baseball player that 52 years ago took on Major League Baseball and their antiquated rules of player ownership and ultimately won. Today, I want to talk about a player that truly paved the way for the fair play of minor leaguers, a player whose legacy might be the most meaningful in the last half century of sports, former outfielder Kurt Flood. Kurt Flood. Oh yeah. All right, I gotta love this. The Cardinals fan. This guy's Kurt's royalty in St. Louis. Yeah, as you said, he's best remembered for his time with the Cardinals in St. Louis, where he played in parts of twelve seasons. Um, you know, as a player, his numbers aren't exactly Hall of Fame worthy on their own. But uh, he was one of the best players in the league and the type of player that any fan, coach, organization would want to have on their roster. You know, after two seasons and eight games in Cincinnati, Flood was traded to the Cardinals where he played the majority of his career. In those 12 seasons in St. Louis, he accumulated 42.3 wins above replacement, had 1,853 hits, all while hitting a respectable 293 with an OPS of 733. Just a horse, man. Just, just so yeah. good. Yeah, so during his age 25 season with the Redbirds, he kind of broke out. He started a seven-year stretch that saw him win seven consecutive Gold Glove Awards, mm-hmm. make three All-Star appearances, and garner MVP votes in six consecutive seasons, on top of two World Series wins. Pretty pretty decent playing career. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and yeah. that's only a portion of his career. Obviously, you know, the biggest uh, part of his career, as, uh, as he only played for two other teams outside of that, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he only played twenty other games the rest of his career. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, you know, despite all of that success over the previous decade plus in St. Louis, uh, Flood was traded following the nineteen sixty nine season to the Philadelphia Phillies, mm-hmm. and Flood did not want to play in Philadelphia. 
He thought the stadium was trash, the facilities were trash, the teams were trash, and the fans were trash. <laughs> and uh, you know, if Kurt if Kurt was around, we could assure him that that has not changed. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Um, but uh, you know, in modern American sports. It's common for players to reach free agency and sign new contracts that often include clauses that put restrictions on trade agreements. Um, we also currently have 10 and 5 rights. So any player that has mm-hmm. played at least 10 years in the major leagues and five of those happening with their current team can refuse any trade they want. But right. this wasn't the case in 1969. Free agency didn't exist in 1969. At the time, the rights to a player were held by a team even after the expiration of any playing contract they had signed under what was called the reserve clause. Players had zero ability to determine the location they played other than to hold out and not play, hoping that maybe they'd be released or maybe they'd be traded to a different team. All right. And holding out, it's exactly what Kurt Flood did. Yeah. Um, and after a meeting with the Players Association in that 1969-70 offseason, which he informed that the union uh, was willing to fund a lawsuit on his behalf, Flood held out for that 1970 season and instead mm-hmm. lobbied then-commissioner Bowie Kuhn to grant him free agency. Uh, Kuhn obviously denied that request, and when that request was denied, Flood, backed by the Players Association, sued, sued Bowie Kuhn and Major League Baseball for $1 million. That's right. Pre- pretty low amount, but uh, he filed suit and the union backed him up. That's right. Yeah, so I don't want to get too into the weeds here, so I'll try to be brief. No, this is not a this is not a Supreme Court podcast. There's <laughs> <laughs> um, nothing but, wrong uh, with that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, this lawsuit eventually made it all the way to the United States Supreme Court, mm-hmm. um, and Flood lost that battle. He did not win in the Supreme Court. That's right. Surprisingly, the Supreme Court um, affirmed Major League Baseball's reserve clause and antitrust status. And everybody was shocked. Fans, writers, scholars, anyone that attended the trial was surprised. Because in actuality, the legal argument by Major League Baseball in the Supreme Court was uh, non-existent. Flimsy uh-huh. at best. <laughs> and, you know, while the Supreme Court made one decision, uh, the court of public opinion had come to a different conclusion. And it was the opposite one. Uh, yeah. Historian Lee Lowenfish found that uh, polling at the time found that around 90% of the general public supported Kurt Flood, which is just, no, nothing has ever been that popular. All right. Uh, I don't think uh, Christmas or Santa or Jesus are that popular. (laughs) Um, So in in spite of this decision by the Supreme Court, the Players Association used the case as a springboard to put enhanced pressure on the MLB, um, you know, to end that reserve clause. And after years of bargaining meetings and pressure, an arbiter opened up the door to free agency in 1976, and uh, in 1976, free agency took effect in baseball. That's Players right. then had the sovereignty to, you know, after their initial contract ended, sign wherever they want and do whatever they want. And so at the end of the life of a contract, players were granted the ability to sign with any team. But, uh, you know, after that loss in court and missing out on the entire 1970 season, Flood never returned to form. He had strong support from almost all players because they knew what he did for them. Uh, but he really didn't return after that fight. He signed with Washington in 1971, but he only played in 13 more games before he stepped yeah. away for personal reasons and retired at the age of 33. Um, pretty sad 
end to his career. But yeah. ultimately, it's it's Flood's legacy off the field that makes him such an important player in my eyes. Uh, his willingness to sacrifice his own playing career for what he believed was morally right can't be understated. Ultimately, sure. Flood changed the game of baseball and really all sports. Modern athletes have the power, um, you know, the, the power that they have because of the sacrifice Flood made. Despite right. the huge contributions Flood made, the recognition never came for Flood. Mm-hmm. You know, despite being up for induction into the Hall of Fame by the uh, Veterans Committee just this past season, um, in which uh, the the Players Association in almost every major sport and over 100 uh, members of Congress signed a letter in his support, uh, Flood was denied entrance into a museum that celebrates the game that he left an indelible mark upon. So, it's a shame. Yeah, so Bo, after a conversation about Kurt Flood and his career on and off the field, do you think Kurt Flood is underrated? Without a doubt, without a doubt. Not just saying this as a Cardinals fan, but <clears throat> um, touching on what he was trying to do for the game of baseball. You know, 1998 in St. Louis alone for the Cardinals organization was a huge year. Obviously, that was the, you know, the uh, home run chase, you know, for, for Mark McGuire and uh, Roger Maris's uh, record. But, uh, you know, that was also the year that the federal government passed the Kurt Flood Act. You know, um, the act uh, passed by Congress and signed into law by Bill Clinton at that time, you know, um, it did exactly what Flood was shooting for. It stopped owners from controlling the players' contracts and their careers. And, you know, I remember being... A young man, obviously, and my father trying to explain to me how this worked and not really having an understanding. But, you know, Kurt Flood compared it to um, slavery. You know, um, he felt, like you had said, that uh, players should have the right to consider offers from other clubs before making any decisions. You know, they're, they're not pieces of property. And um, I don't think Kurt Flood ever set out to be a politician or an, an advocate for any specific cause or anything like that um this came from a different place it was deeper than that um obviously you know the 10-5 rule as you mentioned earlier it, it's it's also called the kurt flood rule you know um th- these are are rights that uh you know you were really owed as as a player and it's funny it always struck me as uh you know interesting that you know the government that you know had always backed the union Union who based values on seniority and different rights uh, never recognized this. So that uh, that's something I always found interesting as well. But uh, if we're talking about um, being recognized for not only his career, but his career off the field, without a doubt, Kurt Flood is absolutely underrated in in every sense of the word. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Um, I mean, we could have a conversation about how he's underrated as a player if uh-huh. he had just retired after nineteen seven after nineteen sixty nine. Um, sure. You know, without any other action. Um, you know, forty two WAR over twelve seasons, pretty good accomplishment. Um, Very much. But uh, taking into account everything else that he contributed to, not just the game of baseball but to professional sports as a whole, um, is 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 really something that as I mentioned, just can't go overstated. Um, Definitely. And, and, and he was essentially blackballed from the game. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. you can't look at it any other way. 
So, I mean, yes, obviously his career ended at, at still a, a younger age. I mean, obviously we see players play um, well into their late 30s and, and, and even 40s now, as we're seeing. But, uh, I mean, um, Kurt Flood was pushed out of the game as well, you know, for, for stating his own beliefs. And, uh, you know, that in itself is an injustice. Yeah, yeah, and you know you have to you have to also factor in he he came into the league less than ten years after Jackie Robinson. This That's is right. a newly newly integrated sport, um, and he took this major step um, as a black athlete, not just not just as a player who saw an injustice of you know being unfairly owned by another organization, but uh, you know a, as a player that already had so much to lose. Um, sure, you know in the wake of the civil rights movement, um, you know, still at full strength in 1970. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he took this major step and, you know, went in front of the Supreme Court and really sacrificed his entire career, um, you know, just just so other players would have a, a better livelihood. Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, well said. I, it's, it's unfortunate. And, you know, another case of uh, what could have been, right? What could have been uh, with four or five more years in the league and, you know, uh, what what more could he have accomplished? And uh, if times had been different, uh, you know, challenging times, obviously, uh, the Vietnam War, civil rights, different things happening in the country at that time, uh, a very chaotic uh, time in, in, in our history here in the U.S., unfortunately. But, uh, yes, absolutely agree. Kurt Flood, uh, very much underrated. Yeah, yeah, and he talked about, um, you know, I saw some quotes about him talking about, uh, you know, at the time, just black consciousness as a whole was mm. was something at the forefront of everyone. Uh, you know, sure. uh, everyone was thinking about the social good of, of things at the time. And, uh, you know, he, he leaned towards the social good over his own uh, playing career and his own, you know, uh, financial stability. Um, right, so, right. So... So for that, uh, you know, absolutely underrated, as we both said, um, and definitely a player that uh, I think more people should uh, should be aware of, sure. just as f- fans of sports in general. Um, I don't know how much his influence stretches in baseball, but definitely outside of baseball, I think that the way that he con- contributed to, you know, just the structure of, of, of sports um, is super important. It's hard for to sure. imagine at this point sports without free agency. Right, absolutely. You know, any athlete who's uh, trying to negotiate or sign a contract, Kirk Flood should be on their minds. Uh, it, it absolutely, the process wouldn't be where it was without him. He um, was uh, on his own, single-handedly innovative. But yeah, yeah, it fell on deaf ears. You know, at that time, unfortunately. Yeah, and it, again, it was only five, six more years before um, free agency was uh, was enacted fully mm-hmm. in baseball. Um, and, uh, you know, now in 2022, uh, a different injustice is being, uh, for sure is being fought by the players association. And, uh, you know, hopefully in, uh, 50 years, there's somebody talking about, uh, some of the, the, the innovators of unionizing minor league baseball. Definitely. It's, it's coming around full circle. It's in the process. Uh, I hope it fully gets there. So absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back to discuss another athlete and we are back welcome back thanks for sticking with us is anybody you wanted to talk about today bo yeah obviously we just witnessed opening week of the ncaa football season lefty 
you know, we're going to go into that more at the end of the show, but in honor of the opening weekend, I'm going to cover an athlete who could be considered one of the best NCAA quarterbacks ever statistically. Um, but also in my opinion, you know, an argument for being highly overlooked, you know, uh, Lefty, I feel so many NCAA athletes have these amazing careers, but when it doesn't translate over into the pros, I feel like some of them are just forgotten about. Yeah, yeah. Are we, are we going to talk about one of my favorite athletes? Oh man, I don't are you know. Gonna, are you gonna, <laughs> you're going to disappoint me by not talking about Kellen Moore, who's a yes. Yeah, so we, I am going to disappoint you. He is mentioned. He, we are going to talk a little bit about Kellen Moore. Uh, he plays a role in this, but uh, you know, are are there any athletes that you have weirdly and or coincidentally just somehow like end up being connected to through your life. And there's, yeah, I know this is an odd question, but I'm, I'm talking more like maybe like an athlete from a college you root for or a college you went to, they get drafted by the local pro team in your city or your favorite team. And it just, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, I just uh, moved away from Eugene, Oregon, where there are uh-huh. a couple local local quarterbacks who they they weren't uh, they weren't drafted locally, but uh, they, yeah. they played a big role in public consciousness long after they were drafted. Um, yeah. And then you know, growing up in Indiana near Purdue, um, for decades people followed Drew Brees. Sure, uh, sure. You know, across the country, you could right. walk around uh, rural central Indiana and see uh, New Orleans Saints jerseys. Of course, it's uh, you know, and and you know the athlete I want to talk about today. For some reason, he and I just keep crossing paths, and I'm sure he'll pick up on this as we discuss further. But more importantly, we're gonna, you know, cover a pretty impressive NCAA career. Um, he's seen continued success as a backup in the NFL now, uh, as well as a few years as a bona fide starter. Um, I'm talking about former University of Houston QB and current backup QB for the Buffalo Bills. That's Case Keenum. So. Lefty, obviously, that last sentence probably connects a few dots for you, I'm sure. Um, you know, yeah, uh, Case Keenum. Yeah, Case Keenum was, uh, he was the quarterback for the Houston Cougars when I was there. So I did get to see him in person. Um, you know, he was drafted by the Houston Texans, but it was also the time spent with the St. Louis Rams, who became the L.A. Rams, where he was able to get to showcase his skills and start some games, um, which then led to stints with the Vikings. Uh, where he had his most successful career in the NFL, and it was a tremendous one. And that led to opportunities in Denver, Washington, Cleveland, and finally now is Josh Allen's backup in Buffalo. But, uh, you know, that being said, we're going to talk about his four-plus years as a Cougar. So, um, Lefty, when I think of great college quarterbacks, but more so, you know, accomplishments in just the last 25 years, I think of names like Tebow, Vince Young, Baker Mayfield, uh, Mariota, Joe Burrow, Landry Jones, and Kellen Moore, as you had mentioned, uh, Boise State. Um, you know, anyone you really remember that stood out to you that maybe I didn't mention right there? Um, Colt McCoy was a, as, was a good yeah, one. Yeah, Colt McCoy. I, I was like, anyone aside from Drew Brees, Kyle Orton, and who, Aiden O'Connell? Uh-huh. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, no, a little more than that. The other, uh, the other, the other Colt. Colt Brennan is another one that Colt uh, Brennan for uh, for Hawaii. Yes, yeah, absolutely. yeah. That that era to me always stands out. A lot of those mid major colleges uh, had definitely just crazy high flying offenses. And definitely, that was obviously that, yeah. you're going to talk about that here shortly. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, uh, Hawaii, uh, a couple great Colt Brennan and uh, Timmy Chang. You know, those yeah. guys were some uh, uh, outstanding quarterbacks. Um, so let's keep these guys in mind. 
But uh, just a little background on Case. Redshirted his freshman year at Houston in 06. Kevin Cobb was the quarterback, and the Cougars won the Conference USA Championship that season, uh, only to lose to South Carolina in the Liberty Bowl. That's 44-36. to 36. Kevin Cobb gets drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, so you know Keenum now has an opportunity to compete for the starting job. Um, he eventually was chosen as a starter and showcased his uh, you know outstanding pocket presence along with you know his efficient passing, throwing, and good legs. Uh, 07, the Cougars finished eight and five under uh, Art Bryles in his final season before he went over to Baylor, and uh, they go on to play TCU in the Texas Bowl. Only to lose again, uh, twenty to thirteen, you know. But uh, Keenum had a solid season: nearly twenty-three hundred passing yards, fourteen touchdown passes, nine rushing TDs. Um, his sophomore year, even better statistically. S- second player in school history to complete over five thousand passing yards in one season. I mean, he led the nation in total offense that year. Uh, he was runner-up in passing yards. You know, uh, the Cougars, again, went 8-5, and five, but, you know, they did beat the only two ranked teams they faced. That was number 23 ECU and number 25 Tulsa, and uh, finally won a bowl game in the Armed Forces Bowl. Um, fast forward, 2009 again, huge year. Team goes 10-4. and four. You know, Keenum ends the season with 48 total touchdowns, over 5,800 total offensive yards. You know, they, they upset the only ranked team they faced, number five Oklahoma State, in a shocking 45-35 win. Uh, that, that put them uh, at number 17 in the country the following week after that. But, you know, they again meet Air Force in the Armed Forces Bowl and get stomped. So, you know, 2010, Keenum tears his ACL in game three of the season. So he takes that year to focus on earning a bachelor's degree in business and he was granted another year of eligibility by the NCAA. You know, 2011, the Cougars were 12-0. They're going into their last game of the season. It's number seven in the country. They get defeated by number 24, Southern Miss, for their first loss. Um, but they did go on to face number 24, Penn State, in the Ticket City Bowl and won 30-14. Now, remember all those names we mentioned earlier, Lefty? You know, the one player who has more passing yards in NCAA history is not named Mayfield or Moore or Jones. It's Case Keenum, and he still holds that record with 19,217 yards passing. Now, some might say, okay, he got another year of eligibility. That's fine. Even if you erase those three games, he would still have over 1,500 more pass yards than the next QB in line, Chang, who we mentioned. Yeah, that's just an insane production. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, cruise through other records here. Passing TDs. Keenum, also number one all-time, 155. Kellen Moore second on that list with 142. Uh, Completions, cases, number one, 1,546 completions all-time. That's uh, 142 more than number two on that list. Uh, Want to talk about accolades? Uh, Two-time Sammy Baugh. Trophy winner, you know, that's top collegiate passer, first team All American, two time Conference USA MVP, two time first all Conference USA, Conference USA Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, all the records, the accolades, and, you know, at a virtually, you know, unrecognized football program, if you're talking bigger picture, you know, 
All that just entered the 2012 NFL draft where he went undrafted. Dude, the disrespect here, Lefty. Yeah, Jeez. absolutely. <laughs> it was a, it was a tough time for uh, you know those mid major quarterbacks then. Yeah, you know uh, you've heard this story. Um, you know, look up all all time greatest NCAA QBs, and I'll be shocked if Case Keenum even cracks the top ten. You know, all time and on some of these lists. So, I, I got to ask you: Is Case Keenum accurately recognized for putting up monster numbers against competitive but not powerhouse competition, or? Is he another Conference USA casualty with talent that is clearly underrated? You know, I think that he is definitely underrated. Um, and, you know, his his talent is is demonstrated just by the fact that he's still in the league. Um, For sure. You know, he's, what, 30, late 30s, mid 30s? Um, yeah, mid 30s, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and he's still kicking around. Um, obviously, uh, probably not, doesn't have the... the the qualities to start in the NFL and never did for sure but at yeah. the same time uh you know his his college career was more impressive than almost anyone there's a lot Definitely. to be said about you know strength to schedule and conference USA's uh uh strength just as a conference um sure but at the same time you know crazy numbers just insane production you know almost 20,000 yards you know, in four seasons through for more than 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. That's just Definitely. insane production. Um, right. We see Conference USA play every year, and that doesn't happen. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and, I, and I think that's a testament to that. Um, you know, and I, and I think that he also succeeded in an era when, when we saw what college offense was change. The right. run was right. dying. We saw it a few years earlier also in Texas with Graham Harrell. Absolutely. Like, Yep. Um, just just blow up at Texas Tech. And, yeah. you know, just a few years later, we saw all of the mid-majors kind of exploit that same offense, whether it be Hawaii, Boise State, um, Houston, um, just Definitely. explode through the air. Um, and it really changed what uh, what we, we thought about what a college football offense could be. It wasn't, sure. it wasn't Mike Allstott in the 90s again, you know. Right. We, we, we changed to incredibly pass-heavy offensive you know, across the across the sport, um, and and just in in terms of you know succeeding in a in a thing that didn't exist, um, you right. know, really much before he played, uh, you know, he really changed the game of football and what what mid majors could do. Um, you know, a few years of being ranked can change the trajectory of a program. Um, you know, Houston is a much stronger program because of him. Um, definitely, and you know, he was incredibly successful there and definitely underrated. Definitely. You know, uh, there was a string of success, you know, when I first got there, you know, obviously Kevin Cobb was a outstanding quarterback and it had a little, yeah, about the same amount of success in the NFL, I would say, uh, never put up the starting numbers like, you know, Case Keenum did his, his one big, big year in Minnesota. I think he had 27 touchdowns and five interceptions that year. I mean, it was uh, one outstanding year, but you know, he had a great offensive line and a lot of weapons around him. Uh, but, uh, you know, there was a good string of, uh, you know, uh, great quarterbacking there in Houston. And it, it put, like you said, Conference USA on the map. People started caring about what was happening at Rice and Tulsa and schools like that all of a sudden um, because these numbers were insane. You know, these were video game numbers. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think the Case Keenum, um, 
again, is one of those athletes who had an outstanding career. I feel like if any other quarterback, uh, you know, uh, who was at maybe an Oklahoma or, you know, say, uh, you know, in Alabama, put up those types of numbers. I mean, we're talking about, we're looking at the number one pick in the in the draft. You know, um, from the get go, I, I don't think that his abilities were ever really, you know, respected. Um, he's had his opportunities. Um, it hasn't translated as well over. So, you know, in this sense, uh, the NFL scouts, uh, you know. Whether it was the teams, I mean, he was on some terrible Texans teams, some terrible Rams teams, you know, terrible Cleveland Browns teams. Yeah, uh, yeah. One good team uh, uh, he's played for prior to, you know, um, yeah, suiting yeah. up for the Bills here. So, I mean, yeah, who knows, right? But Yeah, it, yeah. yeah. Well, and, it, and, you know, another thing that, um, you know, was touched upon just awards, you know, never really finishing even top five for the Heisman. Is just right. another level of disrespect, but you know, I, I think the the fact that he's still in the league is a testament to the sure. value that that uh, you know players that that organizations are now putting on players that have shown success at that level. Um, that while the physical abilities might not translate perfectly to the NFL, there's still inherent value in that, whether it be sure. the fact that he's still in the league or that at the same age, you know, Kellen Moore is a offensive coordinator. Definitely. Um, and and we've also kind of see obviously the the raw attributes size and all that are a little different, but I mean we right, saw the contra- right. conference USA quarterback with pretty similar numbers to to uh, Keenum get drafted in the fourth round this year in Bailey Zappi. Right. Um, exactly. Obviously, some, obviously some crazy his, numbers at uh, his, was it Western Kentucky? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean the yardage wasn't that different. He just had more touchdowns, which right. You know, um, comes down to luck a lot of times when, you, when <laughs> sure, you're talking sure. to. Yeah. Talking about that that little gap, um, so you know there, there's inherent value there, and you know it's being recognized across the league. Um, so yeah, I'd say definitely underrated. Um, but uh, you know the fact that he's still in the league, I'd say that he's underrated, but definitely uh, properly valued at least in sure. the league. Yeah, that time. makes sense. You know, I think he'll end up taking the same route as Kellen Moore. Uh, he's he's just known as he has the mind. He he understands the game very well, but um, it just you know uh, again as we said, sometimes just doesn't translate. You know, specifically with quarterbacks. You know, you and I talked about this privately just with uh, our Trey Lance conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, a quarterback has to be in a specific offense, and it yeah. has to be built around that. We we've seen huge, just complete flubs as you know the Joey Harringtons and the Derek Cars and and guys like that, and it's because they were they were put into offenses and they were they had to learn those offenses. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. built based on what their their uh, you know. Um, uh, strengths and weaknesses were so yeah, um yeah you know ho- ho- hopefully uh trey lance isn't a victim of that yeah well and you know i think that the i don't, I don't know how accurate this is but i feel like the the climb from uh, you know a place like saint uh south dakota state um you know being uh what are they now one double a or was that the former name what are, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah division it, it two cha- <laughs> yeah it changed yeah. like it changed like a uh you know a decade ago but uh right right um you know, I feel like that climb's even more difficult um, than yeah. from a mid-major. Um, so, you know, hopefully, you know, Trey Lance succeeds. Um, and I just wanted to kind of just briefly touch upon the fact that, you know, we, we talked about the, the must-watch, uh, you know, home, home run race of 98. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a as a kid growing up in the, in the you know, late 2000s, the 
the mid-major quarterback like explosion the mm-hmm. the Kellen Moores the uh you know Hawaii quarterbacks even Case Keenum like those were must watch games they were things Absolutely. that we came to, came to school and talked about every Monday like yeah a kid, a kid, a couple lockers down from me had a Hawaii football sweatshirt, and a Boise State one because it was must watch. It was must watch football. It was, it was, it was, it was a fun a, time. Man. Yeah, it was. A, I, I think it's a completely, you know, in itself an underrated time in college football. That's what really stuck out to me. But you know, when kind of thinking about this, uh, you know, I've kind of had this one in my back pocket here, waiting on the college football season to start. But uh, yeah, I a hundred percent agree. That was a. It was such a fun time. You know, I was uh, I was lucky enough to uh, you know go to a game against the uh, the biggest rival, uh, you know, Rice University and University of Houston are just crosstown rivals. Yeah, it's a yeah. huge thing. Uh, there must have been fifty thousand people at that game, uh, but um, outstanding. You know, I mean, Case Keenum was electric at that time, and you know he could uh, he could do it on the ground as well. You know, so uh, you know dual threat. Uh, just an innovator uh, in that in that time, but just a fun part of college quarterback history. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so definitely an underrated player in my opinion, at least for his college contributions. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, is there anything uh, coming up in the sports world you're excited about this week? Yeah, you know, um, we've entered the last month of the MLB regular season. It's really hard to believe that there's only about 30 games left until the playoffs begin. Yeah, Ryan? it's uh, we're down to the wire in a lot of these races. I, things really start to get interesting, Lefty. So let's let's talk about some the standings right now. Um, so the Yankees have just been falling apart since the All-Star break, right? Uh, this could be a monumental collapse yeah, uh, with, yeah, the, it, with the Rays and the Blue Jays continuing to play how it, they are. It, it, it kind of... Uh spends an earlier conversation this year about um the the al mvp race on its head where where people have talked about otani's so good but uh what does he do for his team and here we have aaron judge just still hitting the lights at the ball every day um, right exactly um, while the team collapses so right. I, I think the the that argument's a little funny to me yeah exactly you know um the baltimore orioles what a season this team is continuing to have. Um, Absolutely. You know, the it, they're only a couple games behind, you know, the, the Blue Jays there. I mean, uh, AL Central, as we sit right now, could go a number of ways. It's pretty rough over there. We could yeah. be here sitting talking about your AL Central champion White Sox in a few weeks, though. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm not optimistic. <laughs> um, that team does not deserve to be in the playoffs, but I really hope that they do make it just to prove what uh, what a drain Tony Larusa has been on the on the squad. Um, right. He, for those that don't know, White Sox manager um, and Civil War veteran, I believe Tony Larusa um, <laughs> is, out, is out indefinitely uh, with an undisclosed medical condition. Um, there's speculation among fans that uh, that condition doesn't exist. The the organization is just too cowardly to even fire a manager. But uh, yeah, yeah, um, you know they've won uh, three of five since uh, he stepped away, and three of four since he's been out later right. indefinitely. Um, so, so they're they're streaking at the right time. So they could, especially as they 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 have their two and a half games back in the division, um, and they've got four more games against the division leader, uh, Cleveland Guardians. So yeah, it's wide open there. 
Right. Yeah. It's it's going to be interesting for sure. You know, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals have been playing some of the best baseball they could play, which you know they also did at this time last year. They're uh, I think they were eight eight or eight and a half games ahead of the Brewers right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're surging as the Brewers are just falling apart. It's it's hard to even fathom a few weeks ago that this you know this would turn around so quickly. I thought that this was going to be a tight one. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, sort of like you know the Mets and Braves neck and yeah. neck right now. But um, I don't know who can beat the Dodgers at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's remarkable. They keep having pitchers go down with injuries, um, losing players, and they've just got reinforcement after reinforcement. We're four just, days into September and they've already got ninety one wins. They it's, just, uh, yeah, I mean, they just continue to perform. And at this level, I mean, this could be a record-setting ball club here. Yeah. I mean, it looks to be, unless something goes, um, you know, drastically wrong here, this this might be the, the most wins we've ever seen. Yeah, what is the what is that total? Um, What's the 116? 116, I, yeah. I don't, I don't know if they can reach that, um, but it's definitely well within reach. Oh, right, it's possible. I, don't I haven't seen it. their schedule. You know, it's uh, since the All Star break. I just looked at it uh, earlier. You know, the St. Louis Cardinals have only lost eleven games since the All Star break, which in itself is pretty remarkable, right? Um, I feel like the Dodgers are a much better team. They're just a much better team. Yeah, they're they're um, on a different plane of existence. Yeah, <laughs> I um, you know so you know you, do, like I said. Yeah, they, they, get they the, do in the season um, with a three-game series against your Cardinals. Yeah. So I think that that will be a very good litmus test for the playoffs. Sure, sure. That'll be a, that'll be a, a, probably a sneak preview to what we'll what we'll see further uh, further you know in, into the playoffs. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's just remarkable how the you know the the Padres could trade for a player that is arguably the best player in the league and are still almost twenty <laughs> games back. They they still can't beat the Dodgers. I I mean that's just. Yeah, and that's a testament just to how good they've been this year. This has been a remarkable season for them. I mean, it's 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 so cool to watch. I gotta say, you know, I'm not a Dodgers fan at all, but I mean, for a team to be this darn good is pretty crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and what's remarkable, and in, in kind of something that's I think isn't discussed enough, is how good the Astros are doing this season. I mean, yeah, they're sitting at 86 wins, um, well within reach of 100 as well. Um, they won't right. push that record of you know 116 but uh they're they're clear favorites in the uh american league and uh could be a you know formidable sure. opponent for the dodgers sure i think people have come to expect you know um this performance from the astros because it's been going on for so many years now um but you know uh don't take it for granted i mean yeah. it's yeah, really it's it's really crazy to see a team perform at this high level consistently for so long yeah especially after losing someone like carlos correa like right. we we've seen huge replacements with the Dodgers. They've right. lost players, but they've also brought in, uh, you know, top tier players. Whether that sure. be uh, Trey Turner or uh, who else did they bring in last year? Um, they, they brought in a couple of great sure. players, but uh, yeah. Trey Turner kind of headlines that. Um, and you know, the Astros really haven't done that. They've filled these gaps internally with players that are scheme fits. You know, we talk about it with quarterbacks. Um, and, and they've right. just got, despite having a pretty low, lowly farm system, they've got the players to just fill the gaps, and it's it's working for them. Definitely, Dusty Baker's got a firm grip with those gloves on that that organization. Yeah. He knows yeah, what's he going does. on. Um, 
This Thursday is the opening day for the NFL, and my Buffalo Bills will be in L.A. to face the Super Bowl defending champs, the Rams. And uh, probably, you know, my opinion and a lot of folks' opinions uh, might be the, the Super Bowl matchup, you know, depending on how things go. So that goes down Thursday night. Uh, everyone can now return to mindlessly watching Red Zone for hours on Sundays in some sort of, you know, stupor, whether that's, uh, you know, alcohol or food driven, depending on what you do. And uh, you can sit there and check your fantasy football teams, making <laughs> sure they're competitive. Uh, but most importantly, the Goodell show, which uh, in the NFL is getting the point. I think it should be on Bravo or maybe like E Entertainment. You know, it's it's so freaking petty, man. I mean, yeah, they just, yeah. uh, they should bring in Vince McMahon to run it. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think Goodell and Mc, uh, McMahon might be the, the ultimate just, uh, you know, uh, powerhouse to uh, take it to the scripted level. Uh, Sunday, you'll have the Panthers taking on the Browns. So you're going to have Baker Mayfield facing his former team after he was kicked to the curb for a guy who may not ever play in the NFL again. Yeah, you know, I think that's the game that most people are excited about because, um, you know, I think that outside of maybe seven people in Cleveland, there is no one not rooting for Baker Mayfield to just oh, absolutely. beat the shit I, out of that team. I was literally going to follow up this statement with there's nothing more I want to see on Sunday than for Baker Mayfield to just slide. I'd like to see him see uh, further success to, you know, prove that this organization is just garbage. They continue to make bad decisions. I mean, yeah. it just, you know, happens over the years. And I'm, I'm talking like, you know, um, Johnny Manziel type of decisions and things that happen there. They just, just, dramatically awful um but a big monday night game for you locally you know they're going to start it out with russell wilson literally just flying back to seattle in a in a broncos uniform to to face his former team maybe uh maybe will smith will walk into the end zone and slap someone that's that's how they maybe. put these things together <laughs> well and and you know uh i don't think that uh anybody in seattle thinks they're gonna win right um you know it's uh this is the first time you know, I, I moved recently, as we talked about on here, um, and this is the first time I've lived in a, in a city with a major sports team. That's right, um, man. I always forget it's, that. It's it's remarkable how ubiquitous support for this team is. I was at the grocery store the other day, and the cashier asked me what was happening in the game that was happening at that moment, as if I was somehow not <laughs> checking out my groceries. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but, like, there's just unanimous support here. Um, so... I think I think people are going to be pretty sad. They've been spoiled for a long time under Pete yeah. Carroll. Um, you know, I think yeah, I think the, so too. The Super Bowl, but but also just being a competitive team every year, year in year for out, sure. for despite sure. glaring holes. It kind of reminds me a lot, actually, of uh, the Peyton Manning era. You know, yeah, a lot yeah, of those definitely. teams had some some glaring deficiencies, but but you knew they were always going to be competitive. And right. I think that uh, you know this is the first year that they're starting out, and people know it's not going to be the same. Yeah, it might get ugly out there. I, you know, and here's another thing, you know, we talked about this uh, in other conversations, like this whole thing with the Miami Dolphins and the tanking situation. It's just like, you know, Drew Locke's your quarterback right now. It's like yeah. you had the opportunity to get a Garoppolo or to trade for somebody or even bring Baker Mayfield over yeah, and he chose yeah. not to do that. So obviously there's, there's got to be a play here, right? Something's happening behind the scenes. Yeah, well, and I think one one difference might be is that 
I don't know if they have the draft draft capital to sure. to uh, to bring anyone in because they've traded everything away over the the last few seasons. Whether it be uh, was it was it uh, Landon Collins a few years ago? So mm-hmm. Am I thinking of the right player? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. They they've just made kind of really strange uh, decisions and traded away most of their top picks, and they they might just not have the ability to uh, to bring anyone in. But, definitely, uh, it's, it's definitely going to be a different season this year. Um, For sure. One without Russell Wilson, but also, you know, Bobby Wagner has been a uh, an institution here. That yeah, seeing him in a Rams uniform is going to be very odd. Um, you know, uh, for for so many reasons, but you know, the defense in Seattle has always been a huge staple. Um, you know, they've got the DK Metcalf, who with the the right quarterback. Uh, can is a top tier receiver. I don't yeah. know how he's going to perform this season, obviously, but uh, you know, in the backfield, even I mean, um, they uh, they have Rashad Penny if he can stay healthy, but they also drafted a young man uh, Kenneth Walker the third, I believe, yeah. and who was unstoppable yeah. at Michigan State. Um, you know, uh, unstoppable, and I think he has a bright, bright future. So um, there are some things to look forward to. Yeah, not the same type of back, but, you know, coming out of another historic, uh, you know, Big Ten program, maybe he could offer the same lift that uh, the, the Colts have seen uh, right. recently. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, uh, and you know. it's, it's worth mentioning, you know, while he did lose Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks is just really good. Uh, right, absolutely. Kind of, I mean, to stay on brand, supremely underrated linebacker. Right, definitely, and that played a major role into, you know, probably you know what direction they were headed to, you know, aside from financially and, you know, yeah, um, yeah. trying to build build their team up. But uh, yeah, we'll, uh, you know, they're going to kick it off here uh, in the NFL. There are some good matchups. Uh, the wax statue, Tom Brady, is back um, after being, you know. Uh, just MIA for two weeks. Yeah, you know? yeah. He did. Was there a confirmation that he was uh, making a little stint on reality television? I think I think that's what it was. Which reality show was it again? Um, uh, the The Masked Singer. Oh, Jesus. You know, this I don't guy. have I don't have cable, so I can yeah. I can only imagine how bad that would be if this actually happened. Um, <laughs> pretty pretty indifferent either way. But I did see some some video of Tom Brady, and he. Uh, he looks like shit, man. He, he, you know, he showed up looking like uh, very gaunt. Okay, I don't know if it was the lighting. He had uh, probably the worst '90s haircut that I've ever seen here recently. He and, needs the um, uh, Drew Brees treatment. Yeah, that's see, that's the way. That's the way to go. Oh my god, college game day. That's always interesting watching those pregame shows. I don't know if you saw this going around the internet, but. Uh, Nobody knows who's, who the hell Jack Harlow is. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, I can't remember. Was there something in basketball that he did too where everybody questioned where he was, who he was? Yeah, I, I, I think there was something surrounding that. You know, I don't know if you just saw this, you know, from Saturday, but they had him perform on this stage and like he's out there and literally the crowd is just standing still and nobody's into it and... It's this whole freaking weird thing. Then they have them doing, you know, game day picks. You know, uh, for the Cincy game, he he picks Cincy because he's from Kentucky and he used to talk to this girl from Cincinnati. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that was, I was like, what are you guys doing over there? 
Like just just yeah. let Kirk Herbstreet like make an ass out of himself per usual. Like, yeah, just yeah. Go that I route. Mean, it's just kind of proof that that any white dude without much talent can become famous. <laughs> I was gonna say, does anyone even know that Jack Harlow is not black? Is that what this is? Because people are just so you know naive and you know just in their own you know freaking stupid worlds. Just yeah, like if, if you download Melodyne into your uh, audacity, <laughs> uh, you can be whoever you want. There you go. Exactly. Well, um, again, it'll be interesting. Another, another good show. It's good to be back, Lefty. Let's let's not take any more breaks, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for uh, tuning in today. We discussed uh, Kurt Flood and uh, you know former Houston quarterback Case Keenum. Uh, and again, thanks for sticking with us despite this break. Uh, like I said, a uh, couple things going on. Had a funeral to go to. Uh, we had some some work drama at our day job. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, you can check out this episode and every episode on Spotify, Apple Music, um, and wherever a podcast can be found. And you can follow us on Twitter at underratedpod. That's at under underscore rated underscore pod. Until next time.